This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Let's focus right now, though, on what's happening in Alberta politics. Of course, as we know, next month, members of the Wild Rose Party and the PC Party, respectively, are going to be voting on the idea of creating a new United Conservative Party that at the moment is going to be called the United Conservative Party. If that's successful... And it's a bit of an if now, because certainly it's a high threshold in the Wild Rose Party. 75% support is needed for this idea. But if that happens, the next step would be a leadership race. As the party goes through the process of figuring out what it stands for, what its platform would be in the 2019 election, and then, of course, who's going to lead that party into the next election. Uh, we know Jason Kenney's going to be in the running. I mean, that was his, his plan from the get-go, just to win the PC leadership race. Bring the parties together, run for the leadership of that party. Brian Jean has indicated that he'll be running. A Calgary lawyer by the name of uh, Doug Schweitzer just recently announced that uh, he'll be in the running. And our next guest has, well, I think pretty much announced that he'll be in the running. Because obviously it's, uh, it's all premised on this, this merger being approved. Uh, Derek Fildebrandt is the Wild Rose MLA for Brooks Strathmore. He's also the party's uh, shadow finance minister. Derek, thanks for making some time for us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Rob. All right, so let's clarify where you're at, because I, I, my sense is that if this goes ahead, if the merger goes ahead, you, you will be running as a candidate. Is that basically what you decided? No, no, I, I think that headline's a bit torqued. Uh, what I said in, uh, I, I was asked by Ryan Jesperson on your sister station up in Edmonton, uh, yesterday, uh, if uh, if I was any closer to making a decision, if I would run or not, uh, what I said was I've uh, I've got a team uh, here. We've we, we uh, you know do have the ability to raise some money to if we do want to go forward with a campaign. But what we're doing right now is is first things first. There is no United Conservative Party to run for the leadership of right now, and I think it'd be a bit presumptuous to be announcing a campaign for a party that doesn't exist. What we're going to be doing over the next two months is is really focusing on the issues and focusing on getting a yes to unity, uh, winning over those skeptical wild rosers that we need to win over to get 75% to found the United Conservative Party, and at the same time, uh, really focusing on good liberty-oriented uh, conservative policies, uh, trying to trying to set the tone and set the policy agenda of a new party and move it in a direction that I think is more reflective of 21st century conservatism. Well, I think as we're going to see going forward, I mean, people have different ideas on what the path forward is. People have different ideas on what this this new entity maybe should represent. Um, so how easily overcome are those differences going to be? Well, you know, there, I'm not one to paper over differences. There, there are differences, and some of them are real, some of them are exaggerated. Uh, differences between the parties, in, in some senses, aren't even... Uh, policy. They're more cultural. Uh, Wild Rose is a bit more of a populist and uh, grassroots party, whereas the PC party has been a bit more establishment and uh, and, and business oriented. Uh, but those are those are broad cultural categorizations that aren't uh, aren't perfect. But in some senses, there's there's policy differences. But you know, one thing I one thing I'm really trying to do over the next two months, uh, in addition to really uh, working to get a yes vote from uh, Wild Rose PC members is to set the tone on, on a new conservatism. You know, I was, um, I was a very big supporter of Maxime Bernier when he sought the federal conservative leadership. And, you know, uh, it, it was an extraordinary campaign. It overcame the traditional divide within the conservative movement of reds versus blues, you know, uh, kind of red 
uh, red Tories who, you know, blues would, uh, you know, maybe sneeringly call liberal light, and then blue conservatives who reds maybe called uh, social conservative backwards dinosaurs. So we got, we got, we got over those divides, and you had a campaign where we had, you know, social conservatives working uh, arm in arm with um, with people of all backgrounds, including in the LGBTQ community, working together for the common cause of liberty, limited government, that it doesn't matter if you agree with how someone else lives their life. It's immaterial to politics. What matters is that everyone's got the freedom to live their lives as they so choose, so long as they're not hurting anybody else. And we were able to unite vastly different people who in any traditional conservative leadership contest would be fighting each other. And uh, and while we were ultimately successful, and we wish Andrew Shearer absolutely the best as the new leader, uh, we, we did manage to... Uh, to win a significant majority of the vote in Alberta. And I think that's a new 21st century liberty conservatism that, that resonates with people. So what you'd like to see then is, is that kind of, of message in this leadership race, is something focused on those kinds of issues. Yeah, you know, and there's different kinds of conservatives, and they're, and they're, all, they're all legitimate, uh, uh, welcome members of the conservative family. But uh, but I want to see those, those those kinds of issues reflected, and I and I wanted to be bold and fearless. You know, we have to challenge the conservative orthodoxies. Uh, f- frankly, conservatism's getting a little boring sometimes. You know, it's uh, you know <laughs> I don't have to convince you how much I uh, I passionately love balanced budgets and low taxes. But what's yeah. beyond that? What's what's the legitimate role of the government in our personal lives? What's the legitimate role of the government in the economy? And, and I want to see a new conservatism that challenges its its uh, its orthodoxies that isn't uh, necessarily politically correct and is willing to take on uh, w- willing to take on the sacred cows and and challenge the established order and uh, and I want to see that reflected in the new party. So for the next uh, next few months, we're going to be putting forward some some uh, very serious uh, policy proposals in that vein, trying to push. Uh, the envelope of discussion within the Alberta conservative movement, uh, you know, and if we're able to see those values strongly reflected elsewhere, uh, I, I, I may support another candidate. But if we don't see it strongly reflected, uh, then I want to be in a position where you know, I, I can be the vehicle for that uh, for that message. Well, it's interesting. We look at Bernier's campaign federally because there's a lot. It might be unfair to call it low-hanging fruit because I think it still took some courage to address it. But things like Canada Post and supply management and the CRTC, uh, there's a lot uh, of, of what's built up in Ottawa in terms of government intervention in the economy and those kinds of policies that you know, were, were easy for him to take aim at. Do, do we have similar issues here in, in Alberta? Yeah, and actually, I, I like the way you phrased it. It was low-hanging fruit, but at the same time, it took a lot of guts to take them on because no one else had the guts to do it. Right. Uh, you know, Canada Post, CBC, although actually if you took aim at CBC, but CRTC, supply management, these are issues that shouldn't be controversial for conservatives to be discussing, but they were because it had just become a part of the orthodoxy of Laurentian consensus beyond conservatives and liberals that no one would talk about. We do have a lot of that here in Alberta. Um and I want to, but I'm going to save some of the details of that for what's going to come up in the next few weeks. Uh, getting into the details of that, uh, so so when we do talk about it, you know, we've got some real uh, flesh on the bones of what those policies are. But we, you know, we still have 
the government in uh, the business of doing some things that I don't believe it should be doing in Alberta. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about that in some detail over the next few months about, you know, uh, how we can resize uh, and rescope the role of government in Alberta and try to repurpose conservatism for the, for the 21st century. Um, you know, I, I just don't think... Uh, we'll, just, we'll, we'll take one area where I've already been pretty outspoken on, you know, marijuana legalization. And uh, that's uh, the criminal side is, is federal, but the administration of this is provincial. Conservatives have got to get with the 21st century on this. Now, I, I don't think we should have pot readily available for everybody. We want to keep it out of the hands of kids, and we want to safely regulate it as it uh, affects road safety and, and roadside tests. But, you know, conservatives are never going to break out of the low 20s with millennials if we think that people should go to jail for smoking pot. We're never going to break out of the low 20s with millennials if, uh, if we haven't figured out how to deal with LGBTQ issues. Uh, and, and that goes in multiple ways. And not refighting the culture wars uh, of the last 20 and 30 years. We've got to, we've got to have a, a new uh, liberty-oriented conservatism that is more consistent in its outlook, that, uh, that applies limited government, not just to the economic sphere, but to the social sphere as well. Yeah, which I think is important because uh, it, it's easy to get tripped up by these social issues that we've seen in recent weeks. And, and certainly, I think the NDP would love to fight an election on those issues in 2019. Yeah, I mean, they would love nothing more than to not talk about their record on the deficit, on the debt, on uh, the spiking cost of electricity. What, what they're doing on a whole host of issues, they would much rather talk about um, hot-button social issues. And I don't think that's where we should be. And, and when I say social issues, I'm really talking about identity politics. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, health care and education. Those are important right. areas that conservatives should feel very comfortable talking about. Um, but, you know, conservatives have got to learn to deal comfortably with these issues and, and not play identity politics on one side or the other. At the end of the day, you know, as I said on, on, when we were in the Bernier campaign, we had social conservatives and we had social progressives working side by side because at the end of the day, they don't, it doesn't matter how someone else lives their lives as long as what they're doing doesn't affect what you're doing. And, and I think when we get to that, to that headspace as a conservative movement, we're going to be able to uh, build a winning coalition that I think can actually win over the millennial generation, which is going to be the single biggest voting cohort of the next election. Do you think getting to 75% next month, though, is, is it an uphill battle? I think we're going to get to 75% if we work for it. Um, you know, Wild Rosers should never take anything for granted on internal party politics. Uh, Wild Rosers uh, don't get told what to do by their leaders and multiple leaders i think have learned that um you know there wild rose members tend to be independent thinkers and we are a stronger party for that we've we've survived some pretty tough circumstances because of that but um i I think broadly people understand this is the direction we need to go that it's time to put the petty differences and uh and uh myopic grievances of the past behind us uh, but at the same time, people need to be convinced that uh, this is the right agreement. Uh, I, I know some grassroots members had very legitimate concerns about, um, you know, uh, the democratic legitimacy of some of the interim boards and whatnot of the party uh, under this agreement. Uh, those, I, I heard those those problems loud and clear. I, a large measure, agreed with them, and uh, and and it's been dealt with. And so I, I see no good reason right now for Wild Rosers uh, to vote against this agreement 
but uh, I still respect those in the in the party, both Wildrose and PC, who who share dissenting opinion. And I'm going to be working very hard alongside Jason Kenny and Brian Jean over the next few months to earn their trust. All right. Well, we'll see uh, how things play out from here, Derek. We'll leave it there for now. But uh, great talking to you as always. Thanks for your time. Thanks a lot, Rob. Appreciate it. Here, Phil DeBrandt, Wild Rose MLA, Strathmore Brooks, also the party's uh, shadow finance minister, so a potential leadership candidate. Uh, should there be a leadership race? Step one is uh, this merger going ahead. But things are getting interesting. I know Danielle was talking about today with Greg Clark and yesterday with uh, former PC President Catherine O'Neill, the idea of trying to unite the center. And people on the kind of maybe the red Tory side who aren't necessarily on board with what's happening between the PCs and the Wild Rose looking for something else. So what, what kind of a dynamic does that create? So there's that happening. But at the same time, I mean, it, certainly you, you see this United Conservative Party, if it happens, as a formidable force. If they can get it right, if they can get their act together. I, I like a lot of what Derek's saying in terms of a, approaching it from a more of a libertarian conservative perspective and not getting tied up in these these social issues when there's no need to fight on that turf and and b you're playing into the ndp's hands uh so while it's true that in the federal leadership race uh, maxime bernier was ultimately unsuccessful uh he came really close to winning and by all accounts maybe he shouldn't have because you would have thought in the past bringing up these issues like ending supply management, privatizing Canada Post. No one wanted to touch that. Only fringe candidates would touch that kind of stuff. But, but he didn't shy away from any of that. Uh, and people got excited about his campaign. So, you know, we, we don't have here in Alberta as much of a tradition as those kinds of, of crown corporations and protectionist policies. But uh, I, I think there is a lot that a libertarian-minded conservative government could do uh, to get government out of people's lives. Uh, perhaps we could start with lowering beer taxes, for example, as a guy in the Calgary Herald today writes about. Anyway, 403-974-8255 is our number here. Quick break, back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.